Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Dan Roth. Well, for all of us in this place, get your Bibles out, and uh, we're starting something new this weekend. Those of you that are joining us online, if you're watching on a television, you got another device that you want to take some notes on or look at your Bible, get a paper Bible, that sort of a thing. Man, maybe you're, you're like me. You want to hold the Bible and, and smell the pages and turn a page and feel the, the paper, that sort of a thing. That's always wonderful. Get some to take some notes and be ready. Even online, if you want to make some comments, say some amens and uh, look at the scriptures, that sort of a thing. On our website, we actually have the notes that you can follow along with and the Bible scriptures that you can get a hold of. And so we want you guys to be just as engaged as the people here in the house as well. I know we got the children in the house today. Any, any teens or any children? Wave at me real quick. Hey guys, it's so good to have you in here today. I'm going to make this brief, all right? And I'm going to make this fun and exciting. I may not be your children's ministry teacher, your youth teacher. I know they're way better teachers and preachers than I am, but I'm going to try my best to keep you guys engaged in this time as well. And as we move into the future, we're planning some fun stuff for you guys until we can open up safely your classrooms and your ministries again. But thanks for joining Joining us, and hopefully you like the message today. We're launching into a new series, and I want to preach this new series, and it's called The Story of Us. And the story that we find in the Bible is in the book of Acts. Now, I'm not going to go line upon line like we normally have through a book. You know, I love doing that in the, in the epistles, the letters to the church. Man, you can just devour and just kind of break down every little part, every verse, that sort of a thing. But Acts tells us the story of us. Who is us? Us is Jesus and his church. Us together, the great big family of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and specifically, I'm going to start with the story of what took place immediately following the resurrection of Jesus Christ in Acts chapter 1 today. And the specific title for today's message is Wait For It. I believe that in this time of stay-home orders, we all feel like we've been sitting on our hands. Some of you guys feel like you've been laying on your hands and your hands have fallen asleep. Anybody know what I'm talking about, right? Some of us feel like a caged lion pacing around waiting for something to take place. And, and I think, you know, when I look around at what's going on, we could say it was the best of times and it was also the worst of times. Could we say that? Some people have just been loving this season, man. They've been home. They've been reading books. They've been getting their honey-do list checked off. They've, they've been enjoying this season. Some people uh, already were able to work at home, that sort of a thing. It was the best of times. They've been going on walks. They've never been more healthy than they've been in their entire life, spent more time with their family than they've ever spent. Man, they're loving it. Then there's other people who lost a job, lost income, people who are alone, who are isolated, people who went back to drinking and drugs and alcohol. I just read a report that in Northern California in the hospitals, they have more suicide patients than anything else right now. People are harming themselves. People are giving in to the devil and to the demonic, murderous spirit that would try and end their life. It was the best of times, and it was the worst of times. As I was thinking about this and reading online and looking at what's taking place, I actually came across this same quote from this book, and they added something to it. They said it was the best of times, and it was the worst of times, except at the Waffle House. Is anybody familiar with this institution this wonderful restaurant called the Waffle Okay, some of you guys from the south and from, from Midwest, right, back east, I know in our time at Bible College, we were introduced to this wonderful thing called the Waffle House. If y'all ain't had grits from the Waffle House, y'all ain't lived yet, all right? Good stuff. Good stuff. 
you know, and in the in the state that we were in at the time, man, you walked in and you smelled cigarette smoke before you smelled syrup and waffles. You know what I mean? It was just the way that it was. And it was a cheap date. It was close to where we worked. And so we spent some time at the Waffle House. There was another man, and, and uh, he went on a date with his girlfriend. And first time they went out on a date, and they decided to go to this wonderful institution of the Waffle House. While they were there, the, the young man uh, expressed to, to his, his date, you know, that his family, his mom would, would try and make breakfast for the, the family, but the dad didn't really like breakfast foods. And so they didn't really get breakfast that often. So when the dad would work long hours and that sort of thing for dinner, they would have breakfast. Anybody love breakfast for dinner? That's one of the staples in our home. We love doing that. Kids always love it. Breakfast burritos, bacon and eggs, waffles, pancakes, that sort of thing. Love breakfast foods, and especially when we get those special times for dinner. So for him, that was kind of a moment in his past. That was a moment in his life. That was something that he enjoyed growing up. And so he told her, you know, here at the Waffle House for our first date, I wanted to do this because it's special, and I think you're special. And so they had this wonderful moment. Now, he liked runny eggs, okay? I'm more of a scrambled guy. Anybody like runny eggs? You like it over easy? Oh, my goodness. I'm going to pray for you guys, all right? My wife likes over medium. She wants a little bit of runny yolk to go over her toast, that sort of a thing. Wipes it all around and eats it up. Loves that. He was that guy, you know what I mean? Liked runny eggs. And so he ordered that. But when he got his order from the cook, it came out with hard-boiled eggs. And the guy was totally beside himself, totally frustrated. His girlfriend's like, why don't you just send it back? And he's like, no, it's fine. I'm not going to do it. So the next time they went out, they went back to the Waffle House. There at the Waffle House, this time when he puts his order in, he's, he made specifically instructions, would you make sure that they give me runny eggs? I don't want the hard-boiled eggs. I don't know what the cook was doing. He probably got it wrong, but I want to make sure that I have runny eggs. This time they came out scrambled. He got so mad that he confronted the cook, and they got into a shouting match over the eggs. Eventually, he stormed out of the place, and the girlfriend thought, this is a little weird, uh, I don't know what's going on. Maybe it's because it's from his past, from his mama. You know, he likes runny eggs. This is something that was safe for him, and now it's not safe anymore here at the Waffle House. But the next time they went on a date, where do you think that they ended up going? This is a true story, you guys. I can't make this stuff up, all right? They end up at the Waffle House. And this time, he tells the cook in no uncertain terms, confronts him before he even orders, you better give me runny eggs, otherwise we're going to have words. So the cook takes on the challenge, and this time he sends out a piece of toast with a hole in the middle with the egg cooked into the middle of the toast. I think they call it toad in a hole or something like that. They have a, a culinary term for that. And he sends it out to him like it's a joke. Like, what is this guy doing? This time they have words, and they go to blows. There in the Waffle House, the cook and this guy are punching each other out. And this proceeds to go on and on and on that this man, almost like it's an obsession, goes to the Waffle House, orders runny eggs, gets some different kind of eggs from the cook, and they start to have a fist fight. Finally, the girlfriend says, I'm done. I like this guy. I don't like what he's doing. I'm not going to the Waffle House with you anymore. And eventually they had to stop because of the stay-at-home orders and the closures of the restaurants. Otherwise, he would have kept going there week after week, fighting with the cook over runny eggs. See, things in our lives have been interrupted. Things in our lives have been hindered. Things that we enjoyed doing. You guys didn't see that coming, did you at all, right? I didn't even see it. Our lives have been halted. Our lives have been hindered. 
Our lives have been interrupted, and for some of us, our lives have regressed. And there are things that uh, I'm sure the disciples felt this after Jesus' death. There was that period of time that they were just in a, a whirlwind, things that they used to do, things that they used to enjoy, places they used to go. And they gathered together for fear until on the third day, Jesus started showing up and Jesus started showing infallible proofs of his resurrection. And all of a sudden, Jesus appears and now all of a sudden, life has meaning. Life has purpose and they're starting to look into the future with eyes of faith. But even after the resurrection, we see that there was still a waiting period where life was halted and life was interrupted. Acts chapter 1, turn there with me. We're going to start in verse number 1 and we're going to read down through verse Number eight, Acts chapter one, verse one through eight. I'm going to be reading in the New King James Version, unless otherwise noted, and uh, you'll see that online as well as you follow along. Acts chapter one, verse number one. The former account I made, O Theophilus. I love that. Theophilus means lover or friend of God. You know, this is written to you, and this is written to me, friends of God. We are all lovers of God in this place. And if you're born in the Spirit of God, then you are now the friend of God, like Abraham was, like Moses was. You can speak to God. And so this is written to you, and this is written to me. He says, the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Verse 2, until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. Verse 3, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Notice that Jesus had some time with his disciples after the resurrection. And he showed them proofs that it was him. But as well, he taught them and continued to show them about the kingdom of God. There was a purpose in what he was doing. Verse 4, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart, to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Everybody say wait. Everybody online, type wait. <laughs> this is fun, isn't it? It's like hybrid church all of a sudden. To wait for the promise of the Father. Notice that's capitalized. That's talking about the Holy Spirit. Which, he said, you have heard from me. Verse 5, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 6, therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord... Will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? See, they were looking for a Messiah that they had been taught all their lives that was going to free them from this Roman rulership, from this Roman oppression, from this second place status to a nation that had conquered the entire world. And they were expecting a military leader. That's why they were so devastated by the crucifixion and the sufferings of Christ, even though Jesus told them it was going to happen. It was because it didn't look like the Messiah that they had grown up with. And yet, look at what Jesus' response is. And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. He's saying, guys, you're looking for a natural kingdom, and yet I'm bringing you into a spiritual kingdom. And you're not going to be able to do what you need to do unless you wait and receive the promise that is coming upon you. Because you can't do it in your own power. You're going to need power from Almighty God. Now, the story goes on that they continued to wait. 
Things continue to go on. Jesus is taken up from their sight right before me. He disappears into the clouds, and then they gather together. They're in prayer, and they've got some business to take care of because Judas was gone, and they needed to replace his position as one of the 12 apostles that witnessed everything that Jesus said and did while he was on the earth. And they chose someone named Matthias. I would encourage you during this week to sit down and read through that and take a look at that together as a family. Maybe parents, you're here with your children. You guys can read that together before bed. That's always a wonderful way to end the evening is with prayer and with the, world, and with the word. And in the meantime, they were simply following the command to wait for the promise. We have a hard time waiting in our society, don't we? I want it now. I want it on demand. I, I want to purchase it. I want it free. I want it easy. I want it quick. I want it 30 seconds or less or my meal is free, right? I, 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 want, I want it now, instant oatmeal, right? You've got a, a coffee shop every five feet so that you can caffeinate every five feet. I, we want everything right here, right now, instant, right? Uh, and, and it's all in our pockets now. It's all instant downloads and it's all accessible and, and you've got millions of songs and videos and, and, and streaming services is available to you. In fact, we've noticed with the numbers of church attendance, even online, for some of you guys, they're not even watching when church services are on anymore. They're streaming it whenever they want. And then the numbers after the rebroadcast numbers far exceed the live numbers. Why? Because of convenience. And waiting is inconvenience. Because I don't want to wait. I want it on my time schedule. I want it now. And I want it my way. We want what we want when we want it. And yet Jesus says, wait. And in this season, for some reason, God is up to something. And don't you know he's up to something good? And he says, church, I'm going to just press pause on some things for a minute. And I want you to wait for it. Everybody say, wait for it. Again, somebody online type in the comments, wait for it. Wait for it because, I'm going to complete that sentence a couple of times today. Wait for it because, number one, God is still working. Wait for it. Why? Because God is still working. While we're waiting, God is working. Do you know that Jesus was talking to the leaders of his day? And they were all mad about him healing on the Sabbath. And he said, don't you know that even on the days when we're supposed to be waiting, resting, and my father and I have still been working? God never sleeps. He never slumbers. While we're waiting to wake up, while we're waiting for our body to be restored to energy, while we're waiting for the sun to come up, God has been working all night long. God has never stopped working. Even in God's day of rest, God still had something that was going on. He was still holding the worlds together. He's still holding every atom, every fiber of, of humanity, every, everything, every molecule, everything was in position. Why? Because the Word of God was at work. God is working, and we're waiting but God is still working. We need to understand this principle. That's why in Acts chapter 1, verse number 1, it says, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Notice it says that the, the last account I gave you is what he began to do. That shows me that this account is what he's continuing to do. And he's continuing to work while the disciples wait. And in our lives, we need to understand that even though this season that we've been in may have felt like we're waiting, God has still been working. Somebody ought to say amen and give God a praise for that right now. That's good news. That's good news because if you know that God is working, then you can rest. You can trust 
You can be assured that God has it all under control, and obviously he has a plan, and he's just not ready for us to work with him yet, so we're waiting. We're just going to trust and believe. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not grow faint. They shall rise up on wings as eagles. Come on, somebody. God is working while you're waiting. I heard the story of a man who went to a department store. He's waiting on his wife. She shopped, and so he knew that they had an upcoming trip and decided he was going to go and pick up a cooler and pick up an overnight bag for their family, you know, some luggage, that sort of thing. So he went and picked out some that he liked and walked around the men's department, that sort of a thing. And so he's waiting, you know, still waiting on his wife. She was in the shoe department. So he found her finally and came over there and sat down in one of the comfortable chairs and put the cooler next to him and put the luggage there on the floor. Another guy came up waiting for his wife, sat down next to him, that sort of a thing. When you know it, like clerks do at the department store, somebody came up beside him and said, sir, have you been helped? He says, oh, I'm just waiting for my wife. Guy next to him chimed in and said, I'm waiting for my wife too, but I didn't think to bring lunch in an overnight bag. But see, for all of us, we need to understand that our waiting times are not wasted times. And maybe you haven't thought about how to actively wait on the Lord. If you read on in the book of Acts, chapter number one, you'll find these disciples still had things that they were doing while they were waiting. The waiting wasn't passive. The waiting was active. They had things that they were actively doing in prayer. They were seeking the Lord. And then there were things that they saw that they could take initiative on, things that they understood. Peter stood up. This is the first time you see Peter taking leadership. He stood up and he said, hey, there's something wrong. We're only 11. We should be 12. That's what Jesus already set up. Listen, during a waiting time, don't neglect what God has already done in your life. During a waiting time, if you've been delivered from alcohol and you've been waiting, don't go back. During a waiting time, if you've had a spiritual regimen where you've been in the Word and you've been in prayer, and because you've been waiting, you got off that, hey, don't neglect the things that God has placed in your life. You need to be working while waiting, too. You need to give attention to the things that need attention. This is the story of us. And if the disciples took the initiative to do something that they saw the Lord had already done in our lives, if God has delivered you, if God has healed you, if God has blessed you, you need to maintain those things that God has already done while you're waiting for the next thing he's going to do. Look at somebody and say, that's a good word. Say, that's for me. Point at somebody else and say, that's for you. While we're waiting, God is working. But also while we're waiting, look at this. We trust God's timing. We trust God's timing. You know timing is everything with God. It was in the fullness of time that he brought his son into the earth. See, he had to have the Roman Empire. He had to have a Caesar who would move a people with a census to move a man and a woman from Nazareth over to the city of Bethlehem, the city of David, so that Jesus the Messiah could be born in Bethlehem. He had to move stars and planets and everything into alignment. He had to have that star radiating over Israel and over Bethlehem so that wise men, magi of the East who had studied, could see that star form in the fullness of time and could travel and could come and visit the Christ child. He had to have a, a king who was murderous and who would go after the Christ child so that Joseph would take his son and go down to Egypt to fulfill the prophecy that said, out of Egypt I have called my son. 
He had to have all these things in place. It was in the fullness of time. And don't you know that God has a plan for this season that we're living in right now? And if we're waiting, then we also need to be trusting God's timing. The disciples come to Jesus, and he's teaching them about the kingdom of God. Forty days. Listen, guys, that means we need to get our minds off the natural things that are taking place. Get your mind out of the natural news media. Get it off of the natural social media. Get it off of the, the gossip and the, and the group speak and the group think. And get it on to the word of God and the kingdom of God. Listen to Jesus. Sit at his feet. Let him teach you about his kingdom. Let him show you the things that he wants you to know. Because the season of head, you're going to need it. He wanted to know about a restoration of a natural kingdom, and Jesus basically says to him, that's not important right now. But what is important is for you to wait for the power that you're going to need for the assignment that's ahead to be my witnesses. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost ends of the earth. See, God's mission is expansion. This didn't happen all in one day. We would love for everything to happen in one day. One day the whole world opens back up, and in one day we can travel. In one day we can work, and one day we can do all this stuff. There will come a day that those things happen. But that day may be a season later. And we need to tuck in and be prepared for what's ahead of us. Because this could be a setup for the last days of what God is going to do on the earth. We need to be wise about these things and not foolish. Keep our lamps lit. Our light's burning. We need to be watching and have the oil of the Holy Spirit ready so that when he comes, when he returns, we won't be found wanting. We'll be found waiting. There was a day that the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church. They were witnesses in Jerusalem. There was a season that persecution broke out against the disciples, and they went throughout all of Judea and down into Samaria preaching the gospel. And there were years after that time that Paul and Barnabas were separated by the Holy Spirit to go to the nations until Paul finally preached in Rome, which represented at that time the known world authority and rulership of the entire world, where to the uttermost ends of the earth, Paul preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the work continues today. It continues through you. It continues through me. It continues through our missions efforts. It continues through the church that's alive growing on the earth. Don't listen to the reports of the natural kingdoms of this earth saying that the church is in uh, recession, that we're a post-Christian nation. No, that's a bunch of hooey. That's a bunch of foolishness. Listen, the church of God is marching forward. We are expanding. There may have been a pruning, but we're getting ready for fruitful growth, and God is moving on the earth. This is our time. This is our season. And it starts with waiting, but there's going to come a day that God pours out his spirit and he says it's time to go to the uttermost ends of the earth, to go to your neighbor, to go to your friend, to go to San Bernardino, the Inland Empire, California, the United States, and to the uttermost ends of the earth. I got to run. I don't know how I'm going to preach this two more times tomorrow. I'm going to go nuts. I'm not going to sleep. I don't know what's going to happen. Y'all better show up. My goodness. Matthew 24, 12 through 14. One guy said online. One guy said online. I think I'm just going to come to all three. Is Carl here? Where's Carl at? He said, I might just come to all three and just soak it all in. Man, that's what I'm talking about. You might want to soak it all in tomorrow. Matthew 24, 12 through 14. New Living Translation. Sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many will grow cold. Does that sound familiar to anybody? 
But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Wait for it. The one who endures to the, wait for it, to the end. Not just sitting around doing nothing. No, actively watching and waiting for the Lord's return. Who endures. That's active. That's not passive. That's motion. That's action. Verse 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world. So that all nations will hear it. And then, somebody say then. Then the end will come. We got a job to do. Jesus already set this up. We already know it's supposed to happen. We need to get going on it. And I believe that God is setting us up in greater ways than ever before to continue that reach, even online, even through our efforts, locally and globally. God is doing a new thing in the church. Come on, somebody. It's good. And we need to trust God's timing for it. Last thing is this. While waiting, we're all in. We're all in. Acts 1.14 in the message says they agreed and they were in this for good completely together in prayer, the women included, also Jesus' mother Mary and his brothers. They identified the apostles that were there, but then they also said that there was 120 others. And they were there in one accord. They were all together. They agreed and they were in this for good. They were all in. Can somebody say all in? Somebody say it with some passion, say all in. See, we, we use that terminology. We know it's from sports, but recently in 2011, we know that this really came to the forefront. On Friday, December 23rd, 2011, New York uh, Giants team chaplain invited a ninth grade high school teacher named John Paul Gonzalez to speak to the players. Just 15 players attended the chapel service that night. After Gonzalez spoke, he gave each one of the team members poker chips, had them write their initials on them, and then symbolizing that they were all in, pushed those poker chips to the center of a table, symbolizing that they were going all in in some area of their life. Now, the initial challenge that Gonzalez gave to them was being a man of God, being a husband, being a father, or some area of their life. But something clicked on the inside of the players, and it caught up with the rest of the team. Until up to that point, the team was 7-7 seven and seven and had lost five of their last six games. But after they made the shift to go all in, somebody say all in, they whipped the Jets the next day 29-14. to 14. Justin Tuck repeated the phrase all-in before the game and afterwards in his post-game interviews. The next week, with fans adopting all-in as their rally cry, 80,000 printed towels were being waved in their, their games for the players shouting all-in. They beat the Cowboys, securing their spot in the playoffs, and then the Falcons and the Packers followed. They won against the 49ers. Sorry, Reverend Brian, wherever you're at. Apologize for reading this painful record of what took place for the NFC championship in overtime and went on to beat the New England Patriots with 57 seconds left in the game to win the Super Bowl. All because 15 people in a chapel service decided to go all in. There were 120 people who decided to wait. And while they were waiting, they decided to go all in. Today, here we are in church. Today, here we are gathered even at home online wherever you're at, what would happen if a people decided to go all in on the things of God? 
What would happen if we all decided right now and took a, a stand in our day, in our hour, that we trust God, that we believe God, and that we're going to watch, and that we're going to wait. And while we watch and wait, we are all in. The moment God says go, we'll go. The moment God says give, we'll give. The moment God says serve, we'll serve. The moment God says do, we'll do. If God says jump, we won't say hi. We'll just go as high as we can. And if he wants to take us higher, he'll lift us up because we've humbled ourselves under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt us in due time. What would happen if a people decided to go all in like the disciples did? Come on, if you're willing to go all in, stand to your feet right now. Come on, this is a moment for us, church. If you're watching online at home, don't feel silly. If you're ready to go all in, stand up. We're going all in. We're going all in. We're going all in. I got a declaration in that if you're willing to say it with me, I'm going to put it up on the overheads and even online. We have this for you. I'm going to say it. I want you to repeat it after me. Are you ready? Here it goes. I'm all in. I trust your timing, your work, and I will wait on you. Great things are ahead in Jesus' name. Amen. Now give the Lord a great big praise. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We're all in. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.